Welcome again to Back to the Future Minute, to the daily podcast where we analyze the movie Back to the Future Part 2, one deeply uncomfortable minute at a time. <laughs> I'm Nick Jimenez in the news. I'm Scott Corelli, and joining us again today, Cassandra Fredrickson, welcome. Hi. And today we are going back to minute 47, which begins with um, a really awkward and gross um, makeout scene and ends with a really kind of gross, awkward uh, boob joke. Or the setup of a boob joke. We don't really get the punchline. No. I mean, it's not much of a punchline when we get to it tomorrow. <laughs> no, no. It, 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 sorry for it's mostly the- just like a, a, it's like a statement of fact. Yeah. And that's the joke, I guess. You know what's know. interesting about Back to the Future Part 2? Hmm. And, and and this moment kind of really is the most that I've ever thought this and kind of the first time this thought ever like kind of made sense or actually like, I don't know, it was solid. This okay. version is kind of the most like how Back to the Future would be now. Hmm. Like it's just like, a little it's a little crasser. It's a little meaner. It's a little bit like. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I would imagine if Back to the Future was made now and not by the same people. Because I don't I don't think Zemeckis would would be crasser. Now. Like if the guy that directed like Horrible Bosses directed Back to the Future, you know? Yeah. I would picture yeah, cuz I think of I always think of like Hot Tub Time Machine. Yeah. You know? Um yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. Well, anyway, before we get to the 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 that, um, mm-hmm. uh, I want to talk first of all the revolting kiss, which is sure. just just horrible. If mm-hmm. if 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 you if you ever wondered if Marilyn Monroe was dating Biff for anything other than his money, um, all you have to do is watch Biff make out with Lorraine and. You have your answer. <laughs> Yikes. It is. That is revolting. Um, it's kind of like, uh, remember that Remember that, that photo that kind of went viral a few years ago of um, one of the Olsen twins, like, at a basketball game with, like, her, her fiancé? No. And it just looks, like, really, like, like this photograph, you know? Oh, or, like, God. Or, like, where it's like, oh, no. Why, why are they dating? Yikes. That's uh, that's horrifying. It's like they're on go-karts or something, and she just is like, oh, my God, I'm so happy. So the cop apparently <laughs> was calling uh, Matches Skinhead in 3D. Hmm. Because uh, they show up to uh, allow Marty to back up into them as he shouts no in a particularly... The triumphant return of Billy Zane. Yeah, Billy Zane with a, with a little bit of a paunch. And a cowboy hat. And a cowboy hat and an uh, accent. Huh. That he didn't have in part one. He's, yeah, he's got a Texas accent. Well, I don't think he ever talked in part one. I, I transferred from here from Houston. Now I live in California. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Billy yeah, he Zane. Never, I don't think he ever talked in part one, so I guess he got to make up his accent this time. And that's what he's like. I will only do Back to the Future Part 2 if I get to A, wear a cowboy hat, and B, have a Texas accent. Yeah. 
Um, it's a weird. Uh, it's a weird choice. Weird choice. Also, a weird choice to have skinhead look like an '80s comedian. <laughs> well, no. maybe that's what he does in his spare time. I'm going. Yeah. I'm going back to him. I like the idea that kind of like Jim Norton. Yeah. I like the idea that, that that's what that's what skinhead does. Like he he's professionally he's a comedian. Yeah. Like he well he can't just rough people up. Yeah. Yeah, like this is he, his day job and he's trying to break into the comedy world. Like mm-hmm. he performs at the casino. Oh, mm-hmm. I bet Andrew Dice Clay like lives at Biff at like the Biff Tannen Hotel. <laughs> oh my god, I bet he does. You're right. Um I bet that's worst. where the Howard the Duck premiere happened. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> the worst of the three, though, is 3D. 3D looks horrible. 3D, 3D looks. I mean, one, he's balding, but he has like the long mullety hair. No, oh. that's just like the worst look you can have. Um, but then he's also got those big sunglasses. That are are and all of those w- rings he's wearing like you know like four rings on every finger, and so he's got sort of an Elvis vibe to him and it and I like the idea that after high school, these guys went and became like Elvis's guys, like part of Elvis's crew, mm-hmm. and then rejoined with Biff when Biff got richer than Elvis. Sure. And murdered Elvis. And murdered Elvis. So that he could be the king. <laughs> yeah, 3D looks like Richard Lewis. It looks like Richard Lewis, Adam Yauch from the Beastie Boys, and David Koechner from Anchorman. <laughs> like, <laughs> knocked Marty out. David Oh, it does. Oh, man. So, uh, I... It is, I, it is impossible for me anytime anyone says we can do this the easy way or the hard way for me not to go easy way. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's I think this I think this is the line that I quote more than any other line in Back to the Future Part Two. Uh, yeah, it's. It's so absurd, like the easy way. Um, it's like, is that supposed to be like Marty's like subconscious? Like he's remembering this happening? Well, it, in yeah, the you know. script, in the script, it is 3D that says that. Because in the script, 3D uh, 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 matches says, listen, son, we can do this the easy way or the hard way. And then 3D hits him over the head and then they both look at him and he shrugs and says, the easy way. Huh. That's how it goes in the script. So so they just, they, I imagine that's probably how they shot it. And then they were just like, just to save time. Because like the transition from him shrugging and saying the easy way to Marty unconscious in the bed, the transition in editing was probably a little like weird. It wasn't like yeah. as smooth as they would probably want. So then they that they they came up with this trick that they did. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, that's that's not uh, that that's 3D because if you listen to it, it's hard to tell because it's in slow motion. But you can tell that 
he doesn't have that Texas accent that Matches has. Interesting. Yeah. Because he doesn't say the easy way the same way that Matches does. <laughs> it's just so weird because, like, that's not what getting, like, knocked unconscious is like. You know what I mean? Right. It's, like, it's almost like he's been, like, chloroformed or something. It's like, well, everything's getting <laughs> dark. <laughs> yeah. So he wakes up under some limited two bed sheets. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> the easy way. Um Yeah, those are some uh those are some you know, I'll I'll say this. They're not pretty, but they look like something I would want to be inside of for a little while. They just look like they look they look soft. I don't no, know if I would like want. I don't know if I'd want to sleep in them, but I would be interested in like I'd be like I I you know I I need to try out these sheets. Like it just I, I want to roll them. around in them a little bit. I want to I want to feel them out. I want to I want to see what they're like. To me, they look kind of plasticky. Really, I they yeah. look like silk to me. Oh man, they look oh. like high end silk. They probably are. Is this is this like Lorraine's bed? Is this like Lorraine and Biff's bed? Is this Marty's bed? Like whose bed is this? Oh man, that's a good question. I bet it's Lorraine's bed. With the zebra. Judging by the, the way the room looks. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it didn't, it doesn't. I mean, later it doesn't look like there's another room where they are in this penthouse. So I imagine it is their bedroom. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> disgusting. Yeah, it's really horrible. That being said, I mean, I don't, I don't know that Biff and Lorraine are doing much anymore. Right, but still. <laughs> it's just it's the, the, it's the principle of the thing. That's fair. Um, so Marty was asleep for two hours again. You know, I don't think this is the first time I've said this on this show, but that is called a concussion. Yeah, um, no, you took a little two hour nap, Marty. You cannot be, you cannot be asleep in that long. Why is there all this blood on my pillow? That's some, uh, that's some brain damage is what that is. Um, also I, I, I've heard cause, cause, um, was it Zach Luna who brought up the fact that Marty hasn't slept since? Oh yeah, I think there was that. Yeah, the Enchantment Under the Sea dance. Yeah, yeah, he has. He's he's been awake. He's like, he's like Chev Chelios in the Crank movies. Yeah. Or no? Did he? No, he wakes he, up. Doesn't he wake up at the end of? Uh, he does wake up the at first the end of the, of the first yeah, movie. Yeah, he, he goes. To, he goes to sleep. Sleep. How did we forget about that? And how did no one call us out on that? <laughs> Calling you out. Wow. Thanks, Cass. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he did sleep there. Okay. So he's fine. Yeah, he's fine. He's, he he I mean, saved his progress. Maybe it's only for a couple hours, but I think yeah, he definitely sleeps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But this does not count as sleep. This is this is a coma. Yeah, no. You need to go to the hospital stat. Yeah. You were not they were not supposed to let you fall asleep. Um that's bad. Uh also I'm not overly fond of the lighting in this scene prior to Lorraine turning the light on. 
because I think it's too lit. Like I, I, I like the idea of saving the reveal of Lorraine. Um, but I feel like I can mostly see what her deal is before the light turns on. Yeah, like her sleeve is, I don't know what's happening with her 80s sleeve, and she's got like rings all over and stuff. Yeah. And her nails are really long. Yeah. I think you could have lit this a little darker. Um, Maybe a little more backlit or something. I don't know. I, I just feel like there there's something they could have done to light this a little better to save the reveal. It's just, uh, not, uh, it's not great. Like, I feel like they're trying to save, they're trying to hide her breast implant reveal. And I'm pretty sure I can see it in the shadows. I mean, I don't think it's my mind (laughs) playing tricks on me, uh, knowing what it looks like. I'm pretty sure I can just see it. The interesting thing about this scene is it is kind of like part two of like, you know, the rule of threes where like once per movie, this joke will happen, you know? Right. What is interesting is I can't really think of another trilogy with like running gags or jokes where part one was really funny. This one, I think, mostly falls flat, but then the third one is funny again. I barely remember the third one. It's like it's like oh you're you're safe back in good old eighteen seventy six. Come on, come on, man. Eighteen eighty five. Eighteen eighty five. What are you doing? <laughs> I was close though. <laughs> but you should know better. <laughs> I haven't seen the third one in a long time. Uh, um. Yeah, I don't. I yeah, I don't really remember the the third one very well um the third one has problems for other reasons that we'll get to when we get mm-hmm. to it uh zz top but, i love the third one no, no no i mean this this scene in the third one not, oh okay not the third one um the third one is is the the superior sequel definitely um but uh i i i just um i don't know the, i i feel like you guys get the feeling that Bob Gale, I mean, you know, not to say anything bad about Bob Gale, but you guys get a get a feeling that maybe Bob Gale repeated a lot of jokes just so he didn't have to come up with any new ones. I mean, he'd be the first Hollywood screenwriter to do so. <laughs> I don't know if I'm prepared to accept that. <laughs> Oh, guys, remember when they made The Hangover 2 and it was the exact same movie? That's the thing is like, I guess with this particular movie, it feels the most like it, 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 you know, it's the Ghostbusters 2, you know, it's The Hangover 2, it's Horrible Bosses 2, you know, it's Ted 2. Well, Ted 2 actually was, I thought, Ted 2 was better than I thought it was going to be when I finally saw it. I was like, that isn't funny. But you know what I mean? Where it is, it is a very sequel by numbers, which we wouldn't really associate with you know, a proper Spielberg Zemeckis production. And the third one kind of saves the franchise in a way because it is kind of what we want and that it's like something really different. This really right. feels like a Hollywood, like kind of a written by committee sequel. Except it wasn't written by committee. Sure, of course. Um, I, I don't know. I Something that uh, one of our listeners uh, and, and past guest of the show, uh, Leaper 
182, I think I, I think it was Leaper 182 on the on the website. Uh, they were posting a lot last week and um, or, or like late this weekend or something like that. And they mentioned that one of the reasons that they think that this sequel isn't as good as the two films that surround it is because the two films that surround it are about personal problems, you know, where you have like a personal, there's a personal thing that you need to solve. So like, you know, it's, I got to make sure that my parents get together. And then in the third one, it's, I have to find, I have to save doc's life, Mm -hmm. you know? And this one, in this one, there is no personal problem. The problem is time travel. And mm-hmm. as a result, it feels like a different franchise. Yeah. A little bit. Totally. And like, you know, there are there are stakes in that, you know, Biff Horrific does have that timeline does have major ramifications, but it doesn't it doesn't feel big. Right. Because it's 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 like it's too it's it, it's not visceral enough. As like Marty's not going to exist or Doc's going to die. And it doesn't let you it doesn't let you breathe in any particular timeline. Mm -hmm. In fact, when we get to 1955, it's probably going to feel like going home in a way because Mm -hmm. we're like, oh, yeah, okay, we know this. We know what this world is. Totally. Um, But like, you know, we barely I like I can't believe we're not we're done with 2015. Like we're never going back to 2015. Yeah, it isn't it doesn't even circle back around in an interesting way. No, no, no. Uh, And then in a few weeks, like we'll be done in alternate 1985 and and we'll never be back again. So, yeah, it's weird. It's the most episodic of the trilogy. Yeah, I would say so. Well, I think it's interesting that they are kind of they're expanding on their um their mythos, like their world building by like this movie is pretty much Marty and Doc playing like cleanup crew to their whatever like their like broad strokes through the timeline. Mm-hmm. So, they're trying to they're like cleaning up after themselves, which isn't as compelling as oh, my parents need to get together or I'm going to disappear or I need to find Doc. Mm-hmm. And save his life. Because well, it's less, that's not really a hook for an audience. Like, we all can immediately get, like, oh, whoa, what if my parents didn't meet? That would be, well, I can get behind right. this. But like, what if I bought an almanac and it fell into the hands of my <laughs> enemy Biff and then he ruined my life? <laughs> it's It's like a concept and connected plot points and not like a central driving force. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and, and what's interesting is that there is a theme here that they're trying to hit, which is is about pride. And I think in a way, it's them trying to comment on the uh, on the uh, uh, the ending of the first movie a little bit, which is that like, oh, his family has all of these things now, which means now they're a better family and their life is better. And this movie is about Marty trying to make his life better and it backfiring. And it's like it's I feel like the the theme is supposed to be like. Be happy with what you have, but it keeps being distracted by all of these other things um, that like all these bright and shiny theme things. And so the theme 
of the movie, I think, gets lost a little bit because the idea here is that the first movie is about George and Lorraine. This movie is about Marty and the third movie is about Doc. But I think it loses its way with the Marty concept because it seems to be afraid to make Marty unlikable. Um, or Marty as a character just refuses to be unlikable. And as a result, you kind of like you lose the 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 thread a little bit. Yeah, it's almost like the 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 script sort of makes Marty be unlikable. Right. Through like the through like circumstances. And in it, it and it's interesting because like at you know, the end of the first movie it's played, you know, the acquisition of more wealth and, and you know, social climbing up the social ladder in the end of the first one, it's played very earnestly and sincerely as if like, Oh, look at all the, so, you know, this one almost kind of feels not so much Marty's learning to like, Oh, you know, it's okay if you don't have all the stuff, because as far as I can see, the only problem in this, in this plot is Marty doesn't have the stuff. Biff has the stuff. Marty wants to get his stuff back. Right. Well, right. But it all comes from it all stems from Marty being like, what I have isn't enough. I want more. Mm -hmm. And so, like, if you look at like the broad strokes of the movie, it is Marty has the perfect life. And then goes to the future, realizes that his perfect life is messed up, tries to fix it with the almanac. And and and, you know, make sure that he will have a successful future mm-hmm. Biff steals the almanac and steals the future that Marty tried to have for himself. And then Marty spends the rest of the movie trying to get back the life that he wasn't appreciating that he okay. already had. Yeah. So that's clean. Yeah. Like, well it is, but like I said, when you look, it, it's clean when I explain it like that, but when you're watching the movie, it's muddled with all these other little details. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but, but there's a version of this movie. Like if, if they had just had another, I don't know, nine months of pre-production where Zemeckis could have done a draft of both of these movies, I think they both be cleaner movies as a result. Because I think what's missing is that Bob Gale didn't have someone to shoot off of like he did on the first movie, you know? And Mm -hmm. I think that that strong thematic thing of that first movie really came from Zemeckis. And I imagine that's why the third one is stronger thematically than the second one is because they had more lead, like more, more lead time on the third one. And so like in between shots during the second one, Bobby Z and Bobby G could hang out and talk about the third one. And therefore the script for the third one got to be better than it would have been otherwise. Mm hmm. You know, I don't know. Just something I've been thinking a lot about. Totally. <laughs> movie. Um, so I want to talk about uh, – so so right off the bat, I'm going to say I'm not going to bring up the Paradox Draft much this week at all because it is basically word for word the same. Um, the only things that are different are there's a few additional lines of dialogue, but it's nothing like – 
it's nothing particularly interesting. So I was just going to let it go. Um, so, so yeah, the paradox draft basically just goes exactly like this is. Uh, however, in the, in the 67 draft, um, we are in the, uh, high rise hotel complex, Tannen's pleasure paradise, uh, in this draft, <laughs> which is in the hospital, which is, and the hospital, as we've discovered last week is the courthouse of the sequel movie. Mm-hmm. Um, in this version of the of the of the script, they didn't do the courthouse. Instead, they did this hospital. Um, so the hospital was turned into the casino, which I'll be honest is I, I don't know if that's in the context of like a real world situation. I don't know what's worse, that a casino would replace a courthouse or that a casino would replace a hospital hospital hospital. I think hospital sadder. I think there's something thematically interesting about a about about him getting gambling legalized and then replacing a courthouse. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is just like I don't know. I I think that's really funny. But um, in this, Marty wanders in the lobby, and there is no uh, Biff Museum. In this version, he's just wandering around the lobby looking at memorabilia and he finds like a wall of uh, Biff, sort of like a a walking history of Biff on the walls. And uh, there's a singer in the cocktail lounge and there's they're singing K Sera Sera, um, (laughs) which is. So great. Uh, how amazing would it have been if K Sera Sera was like the song for Back to the Future 2? And that's what we uh, that's what we closed every episode of our show with. Um, yeah, that's the paradox edition of this podcast. Yeah. K Sera Sera. Uh, so so Marty notices some photos of Biff with uh, a bunch of celebrities, one of which is Ronald Reagan. Um, he takes a matchbook. Uh, and then this is my, this is my favorite thing. So in this version, Biff's nickname isn't, uh, luckiest man on earth. It is Biff Tannen, America's biggest winner, (laughs) which is, it's amazing. That is amazing. That's the most Donald Trump thing I've ever heard. I am furious that they changed this. (laughs) Because America's biggest winner, that is, oh boy, that's so great. Um, I love like that. He has that tattooed like under his right like stomach flap. Now, yeah. Also in this, uh, in this version, he's also known as Mr. Longshot. Oh, I like that. That's yeah. Cool. That's that is a cool great. nickname. That's not yeah, like a supervillain. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then it's also revealed that... Uh, in the headline, construction worker beats the odds, we find out that Biff was a construction worker. Huh. Right out of high school. So uh, so in this version, he did work a, d- a few days in his life, at least. So he's basically like Adam Carolla. Yeah. A construction worker turned media empire. Tycoon. Yeah. And Last then... Biff sees one particular fo- or, or Marty sees one particular photo and in it 
He sees Biff receiving a large stack of money at a pay window. And then sticking out of his back pocket is the twenty sports almanac. Yeah. And Marty's like, <laughs> oh no. Um no more. He says, Oh he says, Oh my god. And then <laughs> and then uh he takes a deep breath and says, Okay, Marty, get a grip on yourself. Doc will know what to do. This can all be straightened out. And he checks the photo for a year. It says 1967. And then he turns and sees a wedding photo of Biff and Lorraine uh, from 1974. And this is just too mar- much for Marty to handle. And he just Whoa, passes 1974. Out. That's when my parents got married. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cute. Um, but yeah, no, so, not so really. it's photo. very sad. He's the photo and he just passes out. Oh, uh, that's weird. Yeah. He just passes out. Um, and then, uh, and then, and then, and then he wakes up, uh, with Lorraine and it's basically, it's actually very similar. Um, the, the only difference is that, um, it's, there's no, she doesn't have the, um, implants in this version. So she just, she just described as looking like a floozy. Oh, Bob. And she, uh, she strike a, two. Yeah, she has a cigarette holder, uh, like like one of one of those like long holder things. Sure, like the the Cruella Deville. Yeah, right. She's smoking from one of those, um, but it's basically uh, it's basically the same. Although in both drafts, there's this line called "I forgot you haven't seen the penthouse since it was since we redecorated." Um, and I don't I don't remember that line in the movie, so. Weird. Stuck around for both drafts and then yeah. cut, cut from the movie. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's that's basically it. That's the uh, that's the main difference. Is there's no. It was all uh, visual information, which I think is cool. So anyway, all right. Well, yeah. Uh, so all you guys got for this minute? I think so. Yeah. Nice. Well, if you know, you're always welcome to visit us on our website, duelinggenre.com. Email us. Contact at Back to the future minute.com, Twitter at BTTF minute. I felt like I was going to sing it at first and then I didn't. <laughs> Tumblr at us at BTTF minute.tumblr.com and like us on Facebook. Leave a five star review on iTunes, which is the coolest thing you can do for a podcast. And you can listen to our other shows, including The Doctor's Companion, which is hosted by all three of us, where uh, we talk about Doctor Who for better or for worse. Um, and our other show, Geek by Night, which is coming back soon, and we're really proud of it. And uh, if you want to find out how you can support all of uh, these projects we have and the projects that have yet to come, go to duelinggenre.com support and help us out. And you can be like our Patreon associate producer, the immortal David Jeffries, the Ayatollah of rock and roll. Thank you for all you do for us <laughs> and our operations. And uh, shout out to the um, you know other stars in the... Galaxy, Star Wars Minute, Indiana Jones Minute. We're, 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 not, we're not doing that every day now. We're saving Oh, wait, I forgot. Okay. And uh, yeah, we will see you guys on we- on uh, on Wednesday. Indeed. See you. Bye. Bye.